Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 14 of Lavender and Old Lace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. Lavender and Old Lace by Myrtle Reed. Chapter 14. For Remembrance. The next day, while Ruth was busily gathering up her few belongings and packing her trunk, Winfield appeared with a suggestion regarding the advisability of outdoor exercise. Uncle James stood at the gate and watched them as they went down the hill. He was a pathetic old figure, predestined to loneliness under all circumstances. "'That's the way I'll look when we've been married a few years,' said Carl. "'Worse than that,' returned Ruth gravely. "'I'm sorry for you, even now.' "'You needn't be proud and haughty just because you've had a wedding at your house. We're going to have one at ours.' "'At ours?' "'At the Witters, I mean, this very evening.' "'That's nice,' answered Ruth, refusing to ask the question. "'It's Joe and Hepsy,' he continued, "'and I thought perhaps you might stoop low enough to assist me "'in selecting an appropriate wedding gift in yonder seething mart. "'I feel greatly indebted to them.' "'Why, of course I will. It's quite sudden, isn't it?' "'Far be it from me to say so. "'However, it's the most reversed wedding I ever heard of. "'A marriage at the home of the groom, to say the least, is unusual.' Moreover, the widder Pendleton is to take the bridal tour and leave the happy couple at home. She's going to visit a relative who is distant in both position and relationship, all unknown to the relative, I fancy. She starts immediately after the ceremony, and it seems to me that it would be a pious notion to throw rice and old shoes after her. Why, Carl, you don't want to maim her, do you? I wouldn't mind. If it hadn't been for my ostrich-like digestion, I wouldn't have had anything to worry about by this time. However, if you insist, I will throw rice and let you heave the shoes. If you have the precision of aim which distinguishes your sex, the witter will escape uninjured. Am I to be invited? Certainly. Haven't I invited you already? They may not like it. That doesn't make any difference. Lots of people go to weddings who aren't wanted. I'll go, then, announced Ruth, and once again I give you my gracious permission to kiss the bride. Thank you, dear, but I'm not going to kiss any brides except my own. I've signed the pledge and sworn off. They created a sensation in the village when they acquired the set of china, which had been on exhibition over a year. During that time it had fallen at least a third in price, though its value was unchanged. Ruth bought a hideous red tablecloth, which she knew would please Hepsy, great to Winfield's disgust. Why do you do that? he demanded. Don't you know that, in all probability, I'll have to eat off of it? I much prefer the oilcloth, to which I am now accustomed. "'You'll have to get used to the table linen, dear,' she returned teasingly. "'It's my ambition to have one just like this for state occasions.' Joe appeared with the chariot, just in time to receive and transport the gift. "'Here's your wedding present, Joe,' called Winfield. 
and the innocent villagers formed a circle about them as the groom-elect endeavored to express his appreciation. Winfield helped him pack the hundred and one pieces on the back seat and under it, and when Ruth, feeling like a fairy godmother, presented the red tablecloth, his cup of joy was full. He started off proudly, with a soup tureen and two platters on the seat beside him. The red tablecloth was slung over his arm, in torridor fashion, and the normal creak of the conveyance was accentuated by an ominous rattle of crockery. Then he circled back, motioning them to wait. "'Here's something I most forgot,' he said, giving Ruth a note. "'I'd drive you back for nothing, only I've got such a load.' The note was from Miss Ainsley, inviting Miss Thorne and her friend to come at five o'clock and stay to tea. No answer was expected unless she could not come. The quaint old-fashioned script was in some way familiar. A flash of memory took Ruth back to the note she had found in the dresser drawer, beginning, "'I thank you from my heart for understanding me.' So it was Miss Ainsley who had sent the mysterious message to Aunt Jane. "'You're not paying any attention to me,' complained Winfield. "'I suppose, when we're married, I'll have to write out what I want to say to you and put it on file.' "'You're a goose,' laughed Ruth. "'We're going to Miss Ainsley's tonight for tea. Aren't we getting gay?' "'Indeed, we are. Weddings and teas follow one another, like regret on the heels of pleasure.' "'Pretty simile,' commented Ruth. "'If we go to the tea, we'll have to miss the wedding.' "'Well, we've been to a wedding quite recently.' so I suppose it's better to go to the tea. Perhaps, by arranging it, we might be given nourishment at both places. Not that I pine for the widder's cooking. Anyhow, we've sent our gift, and they'd rather have that than to have us, if they were permitted to choose. Do you suppose they'll give us anything? Let us hope not. I don't believe we want any at all, she said. Most of them would be in bad taste, and you'd have to bury them at night, one at a time, while I held a lantern." The policeman on the beat would come and ask us what we were doing, he objected, and when we told him we were only burying our wedding presents, he wouldn't believe us. We'd be dragged to the station, and put into a noisome cell. Wouldn't it make a pretty story for the morning papers? The people who gave us the things would enjoy it over their coffee. It would be pathetic, wouldn't it? It would, Miss Thorne. I think we'd better not tell anybody until it's all safely over and then we can have a little card printed to go with the announcement, saying that if anybody is inclined to give us a present, we'd rather have the money. You are a very practical person, Carl. One would think you had been married several times. We'll be married as often as you like, dear. Judging by your respected aunt, one ceremony isn't rightfully binding, and I want it done often enough to be sure that you can't get away from me. As they entered the gate, Uncle James approached stealthily by a roundabout way and beckoned to them. "'Excuse me,' he began, as they came within speaking distance. "'But has Miss Ball give you furniture?' "'Yes,' replied Ruth, in astonishment. "'Why?' "'There's clouds to starboard, and she's repentin'. "'She's been admirin' it of the whole mornin' in the attic. "'I was sot in the kitchen with potatoes,' he explained. "'But the work is wearin', and a feller needs fresh air.' "'Thank you for the tip, Uncle,' said Winfield, heartily. "'The old man glowed with gratification.' We men understand each other, was plainly written on his expressive face, as he went noiselessly back to the kitchen. "'You'd better go home, dear,' suggested Ruth. "'Delicate hint,' replied Winfield. "'It would take a social strategist to perceive your hidden meaning. Still, my finer sensibilities respond instantly to your touch, and I will go. I flatter myself that I've never had to be put out yet, when I've been calling on a girl. Some subtle suggestion like yours has always been sufficient.' "'Don't be cross, dear. Let's see how soon you can get to the bottom of the hill. You can come back at four o'clock.' He laughed and turned back to wave his hand at her. She wafted a kiss from the tips of her fingers, which seemed momentarily to impede his progress. But she motioned him away and ran into the house. 
Aunt Jane was nowhere to be seen, so she went on into the kitchen to help Uncle James with the potatoes. He had peeled almost a peck, and the thick parings lay in a heap on the floor. "'My goodness!' she exclaimed. "'You'd better throw those out, Uncle, and I'll put the potatoes on to boil.' He hastened out, with his arms full of peelings. "'You're a real kind woman, niece Ruth,' he said gratefully when he came in. "'You don't favor your aunt none. I think you're more like me.' Mrs. Ball entered the kitchen with a cloud upon her brow, and in one of those rare flashes of insight, which are vouchsafed to plodding mortals, a plan of action presented itself to Ruth. "'Auntie,' she said, before Mrs. Ball had time to speak, "'you know I'm going back to the city to-morrow, and I'd like to send you and Uncle James a wedding present. You've been so good to me. What shall it be?' "'Well, now, I don't know,' she answered, visibly softening. "'But I'll think it over and let you know. "'What would you like, Uncle James?' "'You needn't trouble him about it,' explained his wife. "'He'll like whatever I do. Won't you, James?' "'Yes, I'm just as you say.' After dinner, when Ruth broached the subject of furniture, she was gratified to find that Aunt Jane had no serious objections. "'I kinder hate to part with it, Ruth,' she said. "'But in a way, as you may say, it's yours.' "'Tisn't like giving it away, Auntie. It's all in the family.' "'And, as you say, you're not using it.' "'That's so, and then James and me are likely to come and make you a long visit, "'so I'll get the good of it, too.' "'Ruth was momentarily stunned, but rallied enough to express great pleasure at the prospect. "'As Aunt Jane began to clear up the dishes, Mr. Ball looked at his niece, "'with a certain quiet joy, and then, unmistakably, winked. "'When you decide about the wedding present, Auntie, let me know, won't you?' "'she asked, as Mrs. Ball came in after the rest of the dishes.' Mr. Winfield would like to send you a remembrance also. Then Ruth added, to her conscience, I know he would. He seems like a pleasant-spoken feller, remarked Aunt Jane. You can ask him to supper tonight, if you'd like. Thank you, Auntie, but we're going to Miss Ainsley's. Huh, snorted Mrs. Ball. Mary Ainsley ain't got no spirit. With this enigmatical statement, she sailed majestically out of the room. During the afternoon, Ruth finished her packing, leaving out a white shirtwaist to wear to Miss Ainsley's. When she went down to the parlor to wait for Winfield, Aunt Jane appeared, with her husband in her wake. Ruth, she announced, me and James have decided on a wedding present. I would like a fine linen tablecloth and a dozen napkins. All right, Auntie. And if Mr. Winfield is disposed to it, he can give me a lemonade set, one of them what has different colored tumblers belongin' to it. He'll be pleased to send it, Auntie. I know he will. I'm a layin' out to take part of them two hundred dollars what's sewed up in James's belt, and buy me a new black silk, she went on. I've got some real lace to trim it with, what dames gave me in the early years of our engagement. Don't you think a black silk is Eller's nice, Ruth? Yes, it is, Auntie, and just now it's very stylish. You appear to know about such things. I guess I'll let you get it for me in the city when you buy the wedding present. I'll give you the money, and you can get the linens, too, while you're about it. "'I'll send you some samples, Auntie, and then you can take your choice.' "'And,' began Mrs. Ball. "'Did you know Mrs. Pendleton was going away, Auntie?' asked Ruth hastily. "'Do tell. Am I Peavy going traveling?' "'Yes, she's going somewhere for a visit. I don't know just where.' "'I had laid out to take James and call on Elmiry,' she said, stroking her apron thoughtfully, while a shadow crossed Mr. Ball's expressive face. "'But I guess I'll wait now till I get my new black silk. I want her to know I've done well.' A warm